Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. She's a fashion blogger, model, and entrepreneur. She's amazing. The latest tips on fashion, beauty, wellness, travel, and her lifestyle. And now, here's the founder and creator of Not Basic Blonde, Olasha. Hi guys, welcome back to Not Basic Blonde podcast. In this episode, my guest and I are having a very deep and meaningful conversation. We are having real girl talk and I'm sure so many of you millennial girls can totally relate to this one. So this episode would be very beneficial for you. And I wish I knew all these things earlier in my life. Otherwise, I wouldn't make mistakes. But I guess all the mistakes are not mistakes. They're just our experiences. Well, by now, you're probably wondering who is my guest. Well, my guest is Zara Berry. She's a former senior sex and dating writer for Elite Daily, the current senior writer at Go Magazine, and the founder of The Dirty Beauty, a wellness blog for bad girls. Also, she's the best-selling author of the book Girls Stop Passing Out in Your Makeup, The Bad Girl's Guide to Getting Your Shit Together. But before we dive into this very exciting episode, make sure to subscribe, rate and review Not Basic Blonde Podcast on Apple Podcasts and to show some extra love, tag NBB Podcasts on your Instagram stories. Hi, Zara. Welcome to Not Basic Blonde Podcast. How are you today? I am great and thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, thank you so much for being my guest. Would you please tell our listeners about yourself? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, So my name is Zara Berry, and I am a writer and speaker and performer. Um, I just released my first book called Girl Stop Passing Out in Your Makeup, The Bad Girl's Guide to Getting Your Shit Together. And I would say it's a book that covers a lot of topics that I think women in my generation face, such as having, you know, a healthy relationship with food, toxic relationships, but I would say that they all sort of fall mental health stuff, but they all follow fall under the umbrella of not being afraid of your feelings and learning rather than running from the bad feelings, learning to embrace them and also understand that they carry very major messages that can really transform your life if you, you know, have the courage to actually face them, confront them, find the root of them. They're kind of like Feelings are kind of like guardian angels, not these monsters that I always thought they were that, you know, could kill me in my sleep. They're actually there to deliver a really important message. Wow, that's amazing. And I know, I think all of us can relate to that. How did you start your career as a writer? So it's so funny because I never thought that I would have a career as a writer. My whole life, I was just so obsessed with acting and I lived and breathed it. And I wasn't a very good student. So I thought that you could only have a career as as a writer if you sort of fit into this box of um, being very academic and very serious and going to a specific college. But I always wrote and 
I don't know if you, if you or your listeners ever did this, but there, the first one of the first forms of social media was called Live Journal. And it was a journal on the internet where teenagers mostly would write about their lives and their feelings. And it was kind of before our parents even really knew what social media was or how to use the internet. So most people were really open about everything that was happening in their lives and all the teenage issues they were dealing with. And I had this dedicated live journal audience. And I wrote in my live journal every single day, just about my most raw, real emotions. But I never thought, oh my God, this is something I could parlay into a career. So I went about my life pursuing acting. And then I feel like it, it was in the cosmos for me to be a writer. And then I, I had a really bad breakup. And as a way to sort of deal with the emotions, I started blogging again in my 20s. And through that, I ended up getting a job as the senior sex and dating writer at the millennial publication Elite Daily. And I was, I felt like such an imposter. I had no idea how I was going to make it work. And it ended up being like as natural as breathing. Like I just, it was such a perfect fit. And that was where at Elite Daily, you know, I wrote one long form every day between one and three long form articles every day. It was like being in writing boot camp. Um, but that's where I really, learned how to connect with my audience and develop the following that I have today. And if it weren't for that job, I wouldn't have, you know, my book deal. I wouldn't have my own publication that I just launched. So yeah, I would say just by saying yes to a, to an opportunity, it, it led me to, to this. Such an amazing story. That's impressive. But how do you find inspiration to write? Like for me, sometimes it's hard, especially I have to like, really concentrate and when I think about writing sometimes like oh my god I have to sit down and write <laughs> I totally understand um I think and I've 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 really like had to hone this skill but for me the best way to get over a writer block or you know creative blocks is just to do it and I learned that at Elite Daily because I had to write no matter how I felt. You know, it was like I would lose my job if I didn't write every day. So I got over thinking, oh, my God, everything I write has to be perfect and brilliant and, you know, uh, amazing. And I would just have to write through, you know, depressed days, write through breakups, write through hangovers, learn how to write on the subway and just do it. And the more you do it, writing is like it's just like working out. You know how sometimes you're like, oh, I can't, I can't, the thought of going to the gym is so daunting to me. How am I going to do it? But then you start doing it all the time and you, you develop a muscle. And then before you know it, you crave going to the gym and it gets easier and more natural. And writing and focus, I think, is a muscle like anything else. And if you work out that muscle and just commit to writing 500 words every single day, no matter what mood you're in, even if it's just, I'm not in the mood to write right now. And you talk about, you just write about not being in the mood to write. It gets easier. And then you, then just like going to the gym, you can't imagine your life without doing that every day. I hope that helps. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Totally. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the more you do it, it's just the hard, hardest part is to start. Yeah, everything like when you start it, it gets easier. Like you said, totally agree with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What did you learn or find unexpected about the process of writing the book? You know what? It, what was unexpected to me is 
I think that so many people told me writing a book is hell. It is so hard. It's torturous. You're going to hate every second of it, but you're going to love once it's all over. You're going to feel really good about yourself. And that really scared me because I don't know about you, but I don't like to do things that I don't love. It's very hard for me to do things that are unenjoyable. And my experience with writing the book was the opposite of what everyone told me. I actually, I loved every second of writing my book. Was it hard? Absolutely. But like all things that I really enjoy have always been challenging. Otherwise they're boring. So I think how natural it felt and when I just stopped listening to all the other stuff that the negative stuff about writing a book that people were putting in my head. And I just found that I enjoyed the process so, so much. And, and I want people to know that, like, if you love to write, writing a book, yes, it is so hard, but it's so much fun because you get to dive so deep into all these topics that me as an internet writer, you know, there's always been a limited word count and you have to worry about the internet attention span. But I was really able to play with words and go as deep as I wanted to go. And I was also writing a book full time. And since it's my passion, it was, it was such a good time. I wrote it really fast. I wrote it in six weeks. And that was the other thing I found interesting. People take a year to write a book. And I know for me, and I learned this through writing the book, that would never work for me. Because if I have a year to do something, I'm going to wait until the last six weeks before the deadline to do it. I work well under pressure and tight deadlines. So that was another thing I found interesting is having such a tight deadline actually, because I wasn't, I didn't, when you have a really like long time to do something, you can also overthink it and start to talk yourself out of it and doubt yourself. But if you don't have time to do that, I think sometimes the bad work comes out of you. You just described it so perfectly. I totally agree with you. I'm the same way. I hate to stretch out something. If I'm doing some project or something, I have to do it like now. And I always wait till last minute too, because like right. the rest comes out of you like last minute. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Talking about your book, I know you briefly described it in the beginning, but would you please tell us more about it? Like what was the story behind it? So actually the story behind my book was there was a book that came out before my book called Girl Wash Your Face by Rachel Hollis, who's like a very popular blogger. And it did, the book did amazing. I mean, it just topped the New York Times bestseller list for so long. And my literary agent said to me, you know, you should, you should check out this book. You guys come from very different places. Your voices and perspectives are different, but you have a similar way about you because she really speaks to her readers like they're her like they're her friends she's very intimate you don't feel like it's this sort of cold removed you know doctor giving you prescriptive advice you feel like it's a big sister and that's that's what you do so just just check this out so i was on a plane and i read the whole thing and i really really enjoyed it and i could completely see why this book resonated with so many women and I, and I noticed that when she said, girl, wash your face, or um, yeah, she wasn't saying like, she didn't, wasn't talking about washing your face. She meant like, girl, get up and make something of your, of your life, you know? And I thought, wow, okay, this is so interesting. I wish there was a book like this for me and my friends, for, you know, single millennial girls who 
you know, maybe were party girls when they were younger, girls who have been through stuff, girls with a past, girls who have, you know, who are reared in the, in the age of, you know, worshiping thinness. And when social media first started, like there's so many issues that, that come with being from our generation, especially because people hadn't done studies about what social media does to people. And I really wanted to speak to that. And then I remember that my favorite writer, uh, Toni Morrison, always said, there's a book that you haven't read yet, but you want to write it. Or, or there's a book that, that you want to read, but it hasn't been written yet. I'm not quoting her perfectly. Then you must write it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to write it. And the reason I called it Girl Stop Passing Out in Your Makeup, because rather than saying like, you know, girl, make something of your life. I'm like, before, before my kind of reader gets to that point, we got to first take our makeup off and look at the truth because we live in this very filtered sort of world. And we're always, I know like me, myself, we're always sort of slapping makeup as a metaphor over our stuff. And we don't want anyone to see our wounds and we don't even want to see our own wounds and scars. So let's do this together. Let's take our, our makeup off and look at the naked raw reality of our lives and let the wound heal for once. And also get to a point where we can see our scars and our real raw truth as beautiful. So that, that's where the idea came. Wow, I love the story behind it. That's amazing. Thank you. And what do you think as far as millennials and relationships, like could you summarize some of the common perceptions you think millennials struggle with in relationships? Oh, oh yes. This is my favorite thing to talk about. Um, as a former senior sex and dating writer for millennials, I have had the opportunity to also like interview so many ex- like relationship experts and talk to therapists and also talk to millennials who, you know, would write me and, 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 you know, respond to things I wrote. And I found that one thing that we really seem sort of addicted to toxic relationships. And I think because we were raised, like I know for me, the first time I saw like a love movie uh, that was I, really moved me was um, the when Romeo and Juliet, the remake, the Baz Luhrmann remake came out. And I was like, oh my God, this is love. It has to be tragic. It has to end in death. Like true love is dramatic and tumultuous and, you know, toxic and involves families that hate each other and blah, blah, blah. That's what love is. So I went out and I sought that out. And I felt like if a relationship wasn't chaotic, it wasn't fiery, it wasn't passionate. But I learned through trial and error that actually real love, real stable love doesn't need any of the chaos to be powerful. Um, It's powerful because you have this connection and trust and love for each other that it doesn't need to be dressed up with drama and toxicity and emotional or even physical abuse. This is something that our generation has dealt with a lot. So I think, yeah, I feel like we often thought that it has to be so toxic for it to be real because we all grew up with so many so much dramatic media and and art and pop culture and that makes for great movies don't get me wrong but there's a reason that movies aren't real life you know and at the end of the day if you keep if you keep going back to that toxic person you're gonna stay stuck in this cycle of addiction and 
you're not going to experience what every person deserves to experience, which is real stable love. And it's not boring. Actually, when you have stable love, you, you're able to take more risks in your life because you know you have this sort of safe place to land with this other person. And if you stay in toxic relationships, you often don't take risks in your life outside of that relationship because that relationship has drained you of your energy and you don't have energy to do the things that you were meant to do in life that are really positive and healthy for you. I totally agree with you. And yeah, I thought before myself too, that if relationship is not dramatic, it's boring. <laughs> and there is right, like, right. No, no real love. And it's just like, <laughs> it's just terrible. <laughs> right, right. Not anymore. Good, good. <laughs> that's, that's a really hard, it's a hard cycle to get out of. And it took me, you know, a, a lot of therapy and a lot of time, but it's so liberating, you know, once you're out of it, you can really shine like you deserve to shine because your, your sparkle isn't being dulled out by a person who's not treating you right. Yeah. And you know, it's the hardest part is to get out because that person feels like a drug and you still want to see that person. And it's just like, you're still trying to drag yourself back to it because I mean, the feelings you had, the emotions you had there was good, but it's not good for you. Right. Right. And it is actually another interesting thing I learned from talking to experts is that actually is addictive. Like, cause, because women in particular, you know, if they have a sexual connection with someone, our brains release oxytocin, which is a hormone that makes you feel really good. And they call it the love hormone. So you feel like empathy. Women also release it when they breastfeed and it bonds you to your, to your baby, but like, it makes you feel like, warm and you want to care for someone, but actually it can just be tricking you into thinking you have this with someone when really it's just because your brain is releasing this chemical. And if you stay away from them long enough, it's like staying away from a drug that you think you need to function. The longer you stay away from it, the more you're like, wait, this thing wasn't good for me at all. What was I doing? You know, you realize you not only do not need it, you're better and healthier without it. Yeah, totally agree. What advice do you have for moving forward with healthier relationships? Um, healthier, I think the biggest piece of advice I have is to, to really work on that relationship with yourself above anything. Because until you do, and I know it sounds cliche, you're never going to find love until you love yourself. It's not simple. It's, I think that that kind of talk makes it seem like, oh, okay, what am I going to do? Just start loving myself? Like, it's a hard road to get there but it is worth, it is worth every second of it. And I think part of how you love yourself is, and, and have that healthy relationship with yourself is to do things that make you feel good outside of like praise or attention. And this is a hard, really hard thing for me to learn because I'm a person, I really love, you know, validation and, and compliments and all that sort of surface stuff really sort of lit me up. But then I found that like, I didn't know how to find that without hearing that from other people. And I learned like, what are the things that, that make me feel like that about myself? And I found that, oh, it was when I wrote something, you know, it was when I got back into acting class, connected with friends, read books, did things that like really made me feel like an individual, like fulfilled and happy and, and proud of myself. I did things that made me proud of myself. And when I did that and I got really close to myself, 
all of a sudden it's like, you're not, you're not just looking for someone to fill a void. There are no more voids to fill. They're full. So it's like, your life is great without another person. I always say it's like your life is like a bowl of like really good panela vodka, which is good without the Parmesan cheese. But then you, another person is the Parmesan cheese and it makes, it just elevates your life even more. It's not completing your life because it's dangerous when you're like, I can't live without this person because people can leave unexpectedly all the time. I've seen people get divorced well, I never thought, they never thought in a million years they'd get divorced or sometimes tragedies happen and, and we lose people. And it's, so that's why the only relationship you're guaranteed to be in for life is the one you have with yourself. So make sure you're always nurturing that relationship first. Yeah. I didn't learn about actual like major self-love till like late twenties because before, like you described as well and that you know all the girls party in their 20s and it's just like we go through all these relationships and but then later close to 30 you realize that self-love is important and you actually start working on it right no same it took me definitely like I would say the late 20s that I really started to like that started to click for me because I found oh my god I'm stuck in the cycle and I'm, I'm never I'm never happy for a consistent period of time, you know, it's like, I'm happy when I'm in a relationship and it's going well, but the second that ends, I'm, I'm not happy. And it's like, if you want stability and also if you want to attract healthy people, like people are drawn, good people are drawn to people who have done the work and, and really love themselves. Whereas a lot of like, I call them energy vampires are drawn to people who they know are insecure and they know they can control, you know? So I'm like, why do I keep attracting the same kind of toxic person? And I realized it, it was me. I, I was attracting that type of person because I didn't love myself and those people could feel it and they could feed off of it. I learned that the hard way from my past relationships too. And yeah, I totally agree with you that till I actually changed something about myself, it didn't get better. <laughs> I right, right. Why I had this pattern repeating all the time. Right, right. It's crazy. I feel like we all get ourselves in these patterns and they're very hard to break because they start to just like you're like stuck in the laundry cycle. Like you, you just you don't even know anything different. And then when you bust out of it, you're like, oh, my like I wasn't even really living. I was just stuck in this pattern, you know, so it's so important to to, because it's not easy and good for you for being able to do that because a lot of people never get to that place. And, you know, that's why I always want to talk about these things, honestly, because for me, it was reading or hearing other women's stories of how they got out that made me even realize that I was stuck in the same thing myself. So I think the more we're all kind of honest about all this stuff, the more we can help people. What is your best advice for women to get their shit together? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I think the best advice to get your shit together is to stop running away from the feelings that scare you. Because we live in this culture where we can't, we have no tolerance for being uncomfortable. And it's not our fault. It's our culture. Our culture is like, you should never feel a bad emotion. And when you do, what, what can we do to distract you from it? Let's medicate you. And I'm not against medication. Medications helped me a lot in my life, but I mean, as far as abusing medication or using medication as a way to numb what's going on, 
so for me, I would be like anxious and I'd say, oh, I can't, I can't feel anxious. I'm, I'm going to drink a glass of wine and take a Xanax so I don't feel it anymore. Or I'm going to watch hours of reality TV that sort of numb me out to what I'm feeling. Or I'm going to lose myself in another person to distract me from really what's going on in myself. But then I realized that that works in the short term. It does not work in the, lo in the long term. And those feelings that you're trying to run from they're going to come out in weird ways if you never confront them. They're going to come out in the form of addiction, bad relationships, self-destructive stuff, nightmares, anxiety, depression. And when you actually say, okay, I'm anxious, I'm anxious right now. And instead of running from it because it's uncomfortable, I'm going to look at it. Why am I anxious? What is my anxiety trying to tell me? It's trying to tell me this relationship isn't right. This career choice isn't right. It's out of alignment with my purpose and what I'm meant to do with my life. Or like, what is this deep sadness? Oh, it's because, you know, something traumatic happened to me when I was a teenager and I've never dealt with it. And I'm really sad and, and it gnaws away at me, but I haven't ever talked to anyone about it because I've been afraid of the sadness and I've been afraid of confronting it. But when you confront all of these things and listen to them, you're able to really get your shit together for real. You're able to understand what are the things that truly make you happy in your life? What are the things that you need to go to therapy and confront and heal from your past? What is your sadness telling you? What does your anxiety tell you? And like I said earlier, these feelings are these guardian angels and they're kind of like your intuition and your intuition, you can't have, you know, people say, listen to your gut. If you're numbing your emotions, you can't listen to your gut. They're very connected, I believe. So your gut and your feelings are telling you what you need to go, what, where you need to go in your life. So I think that's step one. I think before you meditate, like you can meditate all day. You can, you know, get on the right cocktail of medications. You can do the breath work and the cold plunge. And I love all that stuff. Trust me. But until you're really willing to feel your feelings and look at them, your life isn't going to fall into place the way that you deserve it to fall into place. I ignored my feelings for so long. I didn't know what word anxiety means till like almost 29, whatever. <laughs> Because before I was just thinking, okay, well, it's probably, I'm just nervous and all that. So I just was trying to fulfill everything with relationships. I didn't believe in any medication and I didn't think therapy actually helps. And I thought therapy is only for crazy people. <laughs> right. But later you realize and you wish you knew it earlier. And I wish I paid more attention to my feelings earlier. Right. I mean, I think that so many people feel that way. I felt that way. You know, you grow up and you, you don't see people going to therapy or getting mental health help unless they're like textbook, you know, really have some, some issues, like some severe, severe issues. And you think, oh, therapy is for people who are like, you know, strapped to a board in a mental hospital, but it's like, we can all benefit from therapy and the root of, and it's not, yeah. And I grew up, you know, my mom's British and that is a culture that does not do therapy and does not talk about the messy things in life. And it, that was very much ingrained in me. And, but once I finally was like, wait, no. And I questioned that. And I realized that like most of the people I admire the most, they, they've gone to therapy They've dealt with their stuff. They listen to their feelings. They accept that 
some days are going to be hard. And some of the things that have happened to us in the past, you know, are affecting us now. I'm like, you know what, what am I doing? I'm going to confront this because it's not, because clearly numbing it is not serving me because I'm not happy, you know? So I always say the root of wellness is, is like realness. It's, it's just being, having that courage to get real with yourself. Yeah. And you know what I noticed? Um, I was born in Russia and there nobody really believes in therapy. Now they do. Well, now it's more modern. It's like, yeah. Right. But before no one did, like you just come to your friend's house and you just sit down for hours and you just talk and drink and get right, over it. Right. <laughs> but right, I get it. here it's totally different. And when I came here, like I've noticed that they're friends, but friends some of the friends don't want to hear about your problems and if they say that like if you try to share it too much they're like well just go get therapist but there it's like more common that you just come to your friend and your friend is basically a therapist right right and that's so important like it's important to have friends that you can be real with and talk to and open up to i think it's so that is a huge huge thing and i think a lot of Americans um yeah they don't have they don't have those sort of like relationships because things can be you know we like to make everything look really perfect on the outside but it's so important to find the balance and have friends you can talk to but also it's so important to see someone who 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 is like a mental health expert who can really help you because a lot of times with my friends and I it's like we project our own issues too onto them you know <laughs> So, you know, if if a friend is like, oh, I'm in this, I'm in this relationship and I'm not sure how it's going. Sometimes we'll give them advice that we don't even realize just benefits us more like, oh, break up with them because we want them to be single with us or whatever, you know? So it's like going to someone removed is so important. Yeah. It has to be an expert opinion (laughs) for sure. Right. What is your favorite quote that you live by? My favorite quote that I live by, I, I, I have a few. But right now, it's something that came to me, like, it literally, like, came to me in my sleep, and it's so weird. But I heard this voice in my head, I swear, it was like a spiritual moment, definitely. But this voice in my head was like, protect your fucking sparkle. And I was like, I woke up and I kept hearing, protect your fucking sparkle in my head. It just was like, it it just made so much sense to me, because it's like, I feel like so many of us are so sparkly and charismatic and creative. So many women in particular have so much to offer the world, but we do things that dull our sparkle all the time, whether that is self-medicating with too much drinking or being around people who don't lift us up or going for the safe job rather than you know the job that's really in alignment. All of the things that dull your sparkle and that sparkle is sacred. So you need to do whatever you can to protect it. And then I I started thinking, well, what, what lights me up? What makes the sparkle even bigger? And it's like, oh, things like writing, things like having, you know, deep conversations like this. This is what really makes me feel sparkly and, and happy and makes me glow or being around certain people. So find what it is that like makes you sparkle, do more of that, and then cut out all the shit that dulls out that sparkle. Oh, I love this one. Wow, that's so wonderful. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. 
And where can our listeners find you, your social handles, all your information? Oh, um, thank you. So I am on Instagram at Zara Berry. And I have also a, um, like a pretty like tight knit Facebook community. So I have my main writer's page, which is Zara Berry Words. But we also started a secret group called the Crazy Sad Babes Club, which is like a support group and anyone is welcome to join. Um, I just have to approve you just, you know, but I'll, of course, anyone. And then I have a blog called the Crazy Sad Babes Club.com. And you can find my book, Girl Stop Passing Out With Your Makeup, wherever books are sold. Thank you so much, Zara. It was fun. That was so fun. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for being my guest. Of course. That was all for today, guys. I hope you really enjoyed this episode. And just to remind you, Not Basic Blonde podcast is available on all the major podcast platforms or whatever you listen to your podcast with new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. And if you haven't, subscribe, rate, and review Not Basic Blonde podcast on Apple Podcasts. Also, to show some extra love, tag NBB podcast on your Instagram stories. It would be greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, guys. Enjoy your day. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.